The subject that God's led me to speak about this morning is fundamental. It's foundational. I hope the Holy Spirit will let you see it. You say, well, Brother Bill, doesn't the Holy Spirit want us to see everything? Yes, but a lot of times your pride will keep it from happening. The Holy Spirit wants us to have a lot of things, but we resist him. The Bible says not to quench him, not to grieve him. And you can do both of those. How do you do that? Well, your pride, most of the time, is what resists God. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. The three ty- There's only three types of sin. Pride, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. And those resist God, especially pride. I hope today that you just ask God to show you this if it be his will. I believe it is. Matthew chapter 18 if you take your Bibles, chapter 18, verse 1, I'm going to read 1 through 14. So we're going to have, I'm going to have uh, Chris come on up here with his son, Owen. We're going to use, son, we're going to use Owen as an object lesson. I would use, I would use his daughter, Sassy, <laughs> but she, she's too wild. If you would stand where they can all see you, where all of them see you. Okay, take a look at this boy. This is Owen. He's good, huh? Good, brave. Owen, no, no. Okay, don't cry. But look at that boy. Now, as I read this, he's standing up there with your dad, son. You'll be good. At the same time, Jesus' disciples came unto Jesus' disciples and said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So that's the question they asked Jesus. The disciples now, the inner circle asked, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest in this room in the kingdom of heaven? Who is he? They wanted to know. Jesus said, and Jesus called a little child, and the word read is about Owen's age there. He's about three. He's four already three or four years old, small child. And Jesus called a little child, the the Greek means the childling, immature in nature, called on him, set him in the midst like we are today, and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever receives such one such little child in my name receiveth me. Wow. What if Jesus was coming over for lunch today? But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven, this is an amazing statement, that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. 
Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Owen. You get a special tree for coming up here and helping us out. Our Father in heaven, this morning, we thank you for the Bible. Oh, we thank you. We thank you that you've given us light in this darkness. Pray that you do a great and mighty work today through the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You see in the passage here in Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 14, I want to go through this quickly. I want you to note the emphasis on little in relationship to greatness. They asked him, they didn't ask him who was the smallest, who was the humblest, who was the most uh, childlike. They asked him who is the greatest. And when asked, typical human being, who the greatest is, they're talking about some very mature, very intellectual, very very, uh, well-spoken individual that can hold their own. I bet, it, I bet their jaw dropped when he pulled out a kid about, about Owen's age and put him in the midst of them. A lot of what Jesus teaches is so opposite of what we think about life. It's about as opposite as light and darkness. He pulls this little kid out in the midst of him and sets him in the middle, and I'm, maybe the that little child had the same reaction Owen had. You know, being in front of you, you're scary. But he didn't mind crying in front of you or being embarrassed in front of you. He just went to his daddy. But if I'd have some of you growing up folks, if you'd come up here and be an object lesson, You'd say, oh, I, I, couldn't do th- I couldn't do that. What you mean really is I won't do that because of pride. That's the only reason it could be. Because we grow up, we get pride. The Bible says God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And if you want God in your life and want to see him and want to know him, whom to know, and want to have him work in your life and see him, as A.W. Tozer said, experience the manifest presence of God. you got to become like that little child. Today I want to try to explain what that means. Because I don't know about you, but when I first read the passage, I was totally confused What does it mean to be childlike? That's the message today. What's it mean to be childlike? I've done a little research on it. And so hopefully share some things with you. Seven times in this passage, Jesus uses the word little. I told you this uh, last week, I think it was, when I asked Siri about to call my brother, to call my wife, call Kathy Lytell, it'll say, Calling Kathy Little. 
And when they asked to call me, I says, calling Bill Little. I don't know about you, but that there's there's a pride in me that bothers. Little. But now I began to rejoice about that. Even the phone is calling me little. And the first four times that the little child it mentions there, four times, it is a, is a Greek word different than the last three times. First four times has to do with the infant's nature, immature, a childling. The second, the three times in the end of that, it has to do more with the dignity of being small, insignificant. People overlook children all the time. They don't think about children like they do adults. But I know this to be true. Great people in God's sight have always, always been childlike and little in their own eyes. You want to keep that and go away with that today. The truly great people of the Bible have been childlike. It was the reason God picked Saul for Israel's first king. 1 Samuel 15, 17 says, As Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own eyes, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? Oh, Saul! I read the story of Saul's life, and I want to just squeal. I want to cry out, Saul! Go back to being little. Yes, you're king of Israel. But be little in your own eyes, because when he became big in his own eyes, he sinned against God and was rejected. It was the reason David was chosen by God to be the second king of Israel. In 2 Samuel 7, 8, it says, I took thee from the sheep coat and from following the sheep to be ruler over my people and over Israel. David, David, remember to be small. It was when David forgot about being small that he sinned against God by having adultery with Bathsheba and murdering her husband, Uriah. He was big in his own eyes when he did that. He was important in his own eyes when he did that. It was the attitude of Solomon, the third king of Israel. 1 Kings 3, 7 says, And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant King instead of my father David. Well, that's big. He said, I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. Boy, that was good. I had high hopes for Solomon as I read through the Bible and begin to see that kind of attitude. I got high hopes for him. But he got to be big in his own sight to the place he felt he could disobey God where he said not to multiply wives. And he multiplied wives, and he married heathen wives, and wives that were not believers in Jehovah. The Bible says those wives led him astray. At the end of his life, he ended a bitter failure. So if I didn't go any further than that this morning, I'd say those three examples that people started out right they started out humble, they started out childlike, and then they got to be big in their own eyes. So what's our problem? What's the, what's, what's the temptation for you and me? The temptation for you and me is we may start out humble, start out right, start out good, 
But I don't want to start out good and end a mess. I don't want to start out like Saul and end like Saul. I don't want to start out like David and have it happen to him. I don't want to have that happen to me. I don't want to start out like Solomon, who even admitted he was little and childlike, and get to the place where he didn't feel he could he needed to regard God's will at all. And began to worship and serve things that are not God's. To the place the kingdom had to be ripped out of his hands and given to another. Wow. You're going nowhere with God, nowhere, unless you are little or childlike in your own sight, straight up and down. You're going nowhere. What's the importance of childlike attitude? Well, first of all, it's mentioned in all three Gospels. This passage is parallel mentioned in all three Gospels, Matthew 18, Luke 18, and Mark 10. It's interesting, it says in, in Matthew 18, 3, that uh, except you be converted and become as little children, you should not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then Luke, it says, whosoever should not receive the kingdom of heaven as a little child shall in no wise, the kingdom of God, excuse me, shall in no wise enter. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 15, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall not enter therein. So these are parallel passages. In one, in one of, in Matthew, it says the kingdom of heaven. In Luke and Mark, it says the kingdom of God. There is no difference in the Bible between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. There's a heresy out there and a cult out there that tries to make a huge difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. My, oh, my, oh, my. They're synonymously used. So what is childlike? Well, I looked it up in the dictionary. I went to the, uh, I use Funk and Wagner dictionary. Sometimes I use Webster dictionary. And in the dictionary, you have a denotative meaning. That's the very specific, normal meaning of a word. Then you have connotative meaning. Connotative meanings are, have to do with context, where the word's found in context. And you may have, in this particular case, I have seven different connotative meanings for the word childlike. First, and let me give them to you quickly. Number one is innocence. Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, renew a right spirit within me. After David sinned against God in Psalm 51, he repented. And he says, i got to go back to being childlike, creating me that same spirit I had at the beginning. It means to be pure. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, Matthew 5 eight. It has something to do with being simple. Now, people oftentimes do not like to be called simple. Well, Pastor Lytell, his sermons are simple. You're complimenting me. Meaning, is that meaning easy to be understood or grasped or eaten or consumed? I hope so. But simple means, as it says in the Bible, Romans 16, 19, it says, I would have you to be wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. It means to be candid. What's childlike mean? It could mean to be candid. We would maybe call that transparent. If I want to know what barrels are doing at the house, I just go to Owen. And I says, do you hear mom and dad fighting much? Oh, yeah. I, dad was dragging mom by the hair through the house the other day. I 
I asked one of our bus kids that, and that was the answer he gave me. I said, he drug your mother through the house? Yes, and she locked herself in the bathroom, and he kicked the door in. I think that was a pretty rough night. He didn't mind telling me. Simple, transparent, candid, childlike. You don't ask an adult. They want to hide, 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 hide everything that would make them look bad, everything that would make their family look bad, everything that would possibly uh, be taken in a negative way. An adult wants to hide it, hide it, hide it. But the fruit of the Spirit is to be childlike. And it can mean to be transparent, candid. The fifth Connotative meaning I noticed was uncomplicated. First Corinthians 2 1, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not in excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. This is Apostle Paul talking. For I determined not to know anything among you that Jesus Christ and him crucified. For I determined, uh, for I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. I know what that is now. The last year, my hands began to, my left hand, not my right hand, my left hand began to tremble. I wonder if that's what Paul had. Now I'm getting more and more like the Apostle Paul. Now I've got the trembles. I went to a neuro, a neuro somebody, neurologist, and did all kinds of tests to have him tell me, we believe it's a benign tremor. I said, I love that. An age tremor. How many here have age tremors? Raise your hand. Will you admit it? I never. I, then I thought back about that. My dad had that. My dad got where he couldn't write. He had him in his right hand, and he couldn't write anymore because he would tremble so much in his hand. Glory to God, getting old's fun. <laughs> I mean, I'm not as old as Bingham. Don't get me wrong; he's ninety years old. He's up there. But they, 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 uh, he says, I, Paul says, I come, maybe because he was beaten so much too, it could be actually literal in weakness and in fear and in trembling. We want to try to take those spiritual, but that actually could be literal with Paul because he's beaten so much. Uh, being childlike, is, is in the corner of the dictionary, can mean unsophisticated. Now it says in 1 Timothy 1.5, now to the end of the commandment is, clarity, is, is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned. You see that word, First Peter one twenty two. seeing you purified your souls in the obeying of the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another in a pure heart. What does unfeigned mean? It means no duplicity. When, when you come to somebody and shake their hand and say you love them, you mean exactly what you said. You don't mean some other message or some hidden message or some double-tongue deal. You're not like the snake, you know, the double-tongue. You're just being what you really are. You're being open and honest and transparent, and you mean what you say and say what you mean. That's what it means. Childlike can mean the last mention. This is the dictionary. can mean trusting. It can mean to trust. Psalm 112.7. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord, speaking about the child of God. I trust in thee. I love that whole concept of trusting in God. I remember years ago, my dad would 
we lived in Elkhart, Indiana, and in the wintertime, there wasn't a lot to do. It was cold, nasty, gray for about six months without seeing the sun. Does that remind you people why you're here? Yes. So my dad would say, let's go ice fishing. He'd take a little, they built this little house. It was about four foot by eight foot and it had little runners on it. And they'd, when the ice, when the lake iced over, he'd push it out to a place he thought the fish were at. <laughs> I don't know how he knew that. But he pushed a place out to where the fish were at. They'd drill holes in this, shut the door, turn these lights on that would make heat. And we'd be getting in there. We'd get real cozy. But going out to the ice house was quite a journey. It was maybe sometimes three quarters of a mile. The wind would be blowing. It would be at night. Sometimes it'd be like zero or below zero. 17 below zero is about the coldest I remember in Elkhart. In Bismarck, that's just an average temperature. But uh, he'd go ice fishing and uh, he'd say, Bill, you want to go with me? And I'd be like small. I remember just Billy, little Billy. And so we remember we'd get ready to go out on the ice and the wind was blowing and snow was going by. And, and he'd, I'd reach up to grab his hand. Man, I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know how I was going to get there. I didn't know if I was going to be able to survive the temperature. But I knew I had my hand in my father's hand. It was a big, if I remember his hand, he was a boxer. It was a tough hand. He worked in floor covering, laid ceramic. He had calluses on his hands. And I remember his hands, what they felt like. And the assurance I got out of that. By the time we got to the ice house, my feet were numb, my hands were numb, I was about ready to die. <laughs> He'd get in there and shut the door. And you had these coma lanterns, you got to go through some sort of dance to get a coma lantern to work. I mean, you got to put the deal, you got to pump it up here, you got to gotta turn this thing out. If you turn on too much, it blows the match out. If you turn on too little, it won't start. You got to be just right, turn that thing on, it, it, it lights up, got to let it flame a while, then you turn it down, it turns white. Did I have that right? right? That's because I was studying that. And pretty soon it'd get warm, I'd get my hands warm. You go through this life, you don't know where you're going. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen when you leave here today. You're just like that little child. You may feel like you got it figured out and you got it predicted and you're going to do this and going to do that. The Bible says, don't even say in three months I'm going to do this or going to do that. Say, if the Lord wills, that's how dependent we really are upon God. Just the other night, a few weeks ago, a young man got on his motorcycle at Ocean Church. He thought he was going home. I heard also that his dad was following him in his vehicle. And he was taken off to go home, and little did, there was four women that were getting ready to go to, I believe, a bingo, I think, they were going to some bingo together. These were friends. These were, these were aged women, you know, in their 60s. <laughs> and they were, all had been friends, evidently knew each other, acquaintances, and these four women in this vehicle took a left on, I believe it was Williams Road there. This motorcycle somehow didn't see him. I don't know what happened, but somehow the motorcycle hit the car, rolled the car over, the boy went in the car, the car ignited in flames as the gas tank in the motorcycle erupted, and they burnt to death. I'm all right, preacher. 
You may be sitting here all right, but you don't know what your future holds. You need to trust in God. And more, let me give you something more you don't know about. You don't know what's going to happen after you die. See, death is not a cessation of consciousness. It's not like when you go to sleep. Death is like passing through a door. It's like going out those doors right there. You're in this auditorium. You go through the door. You're out of the auditorium and in another realm called the foyer. Well, that's the way life is. You go, death comes whenever it comes. Death comes. You go through that door. You walk and you're, you're awake and conscious. This is Bible, by the way. You're awake and you're conscious and you can think and you can understand and you can remember. But you're in the other side. And what Jesus Christ came and died for is so that you would be all right on the other side. Because you can't go to the other side with sin and with transgression because God won't, there'll be no sin in heaven. It'd ruin. Let me say this. If somebody had a, a horrible case in, of uh, the flu today, we would not want them to be sitting in our midst. And God doesn't want sinners in heaven because if sinners went to heaven, they'd pull heaven down. And destroy it like the earth has been destroyed by sin. Look at verse 3 in chapter 18. Verily I say unto you, except you be converted. Notice, you may want to write on that, be converted. That's number one. We get converted before we really become childlike. On some degree, you would, want to, you would have to become childlike to be converted, but he, the order of this is interesting. You get converted and become little children. One is positional salvation, that's conversion. The other one is sanctification. It's condition. It's the way we live. God's will for you and for me is to become like Jesus. For he who knew no sin became sin for us, so we might be made the image of, you know, I've quoted that verse a hundred times. Childlike. I've quoted that verse a hundred times. Now I can't remember it. He that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made. I feel like Jim not. I like that, Jimmy. Remember I told you how I like that? Enjoy. Enjoy, Jimmy. We may be made the image of, of Christ. That's what the if you don't believe it, look it up. Second Corinthians five twenty one. My clothes. God wants to make us in Christ's image. A lot of us try to think that'll be more astute more intellectual, we'll have a better position, but it becomes, he said, you got to be more childlike. You become as a little child. Then you're going to be great in the kingdom of heaven, not, not the way you are here, the power of childlike attitude. Now, three things about it. Number one, it receives the approval of Jesus. Verse four, whosoever therefore shall humble themselves as a little child, the same as greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I like in Mark chapter 10, verse 16, it says, they took him up, this little child they brought in their midst. Jesus took him up in his arms and put his hands on him and blessed them, little children. 
You'll get nowhere with Jesus unless you voluntarily humble yourself. I think of the bus ministry. One thing I love about Gospel Baptist Church is from the very inception of this church, we've cared about children. I was a stranger and you took me in as our theme verse there. We care about the children out there whose parents decide they don't want anything to do with God, but they'll put their children on the bus and allow them to come to church to hear about God that they don't believe in. We're good with it. I never have understood how the bus ministry worked. I personally would be a little reticent about sending my child with a guy like Nick and take him to a place I didn't know about and teach him about stuff I didn't believe in. But yet they'll do it. That's a miracle. The bus ministry is a supernatural miracle of God causing these parents willing to let their children come to hear the gospel that they don't want. And we have had parents saved through the bus ministry, no doubt. It's great. But the power of a childlike attitude that receives the approval of Jesus, secondly, it promotes you in the same degree that you demote yourself. There's an inverse relationship there. Opposite of the world, Luke 18, 14 says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, speaking of the uh, publican in the temple who wouldn't lift his head toward heaven and beat his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the old, the old Pharisee, oh, he said, hey, you know, I'm, I tithe everything I give and, and I fast three times a week. And he's telling God how good he is. Well, God said the Pharisee isn't going to make it, but the publican will. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Number three, it makes you just like you were Jesus. When you become childlike, you're going to be like Christ. Who shall receive one and such little one in my name receiveth me. It's been asked me, what do you think an angel is like? Like Owen. The characteristics I've mentioned today about being childlike, that's the characteristics you would find of an angel. Because Jesus said, if you want to be like me, you've got to be childlike. Well, it makes sense that the angels would be like God also because they're accepted in the beloved, accepted not in the beloved, but accepted in heaven, and they would be also childlike. Now, they may be big and they may be powerful and they may, they may have all those attributes that God wants them to have, but ultimately in their person, they don't have pride, they don't have lust of flesh, they don't have lust of the eyes. Notice in verse 6 of chapter 18 of Matthew, the punitive discipline for abusing childlike person. Who shall offend one of these little ones who believe in me? It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck than he were drowned in the depths of the sea. How can that be better? It would be better for him? that he was killed than to offend a little one that believes in Jesus. That's a pretty strong warning. I, I don't know how you get any stronger than that. But all three of these warnings, all three of these appear in the same, in the gospel, synoptic gospel, in the same phrase. You can't get more radical. 
Another warning is verse 10 in chapter 18 where he says, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. I say unto you that heaven, in heaven their angels do always behold the face of the Father which is in heaven. We learn some, there's a tremendous amount of teaching in this passage that we never knew before. Have you ever heard of guardian angel? Now there's a cult out there and there's a group wants to go over the board on this to try to name their, I want to know my name and the guardian angel. Look, I don't even want to meet my guardian angel. I'm just glad they're there. I just want to meet Jesus. I got guardian angels. You got guardian angels. You could probably, we could go through this how many times that you felt you were saved somehow when you shouldn't have been saved. Well, I'm talking about physically now. You should have been killed and somehow you weren't killed. You know, the bullet passes by and somehow it misses you and there's an event that takes happen or you meant to. Yeah. In, in this war over there in, in, in uh, Gaza, there's what they call angel stories on YouTube already coming up. There's a whole group of soldiers, of uh, IDF soldiers, were getting ready to go in a building and, and clear it. And an old, they, they saw an old woman there, and she said, if you go into that room, you're going to die. To these soldiers, she shouldn't even have been there. A civilian woman. If you go in that room, you're going to die. They said, why? Well, we've got, we got to go in there. We've got to clear it out. She said, if you go in that room, you're going to die. So they decided not to go into that room, and it was booby-trapped. And would have killed them all. When they went to find her, she was gone. You say what you want. But if angels care about these little children, they care about you too. Praise God for angels that take care of us. We don't understand. We, when we get to heaven, we're going to be shocked at how God looked after us. You don't think there's a, God, show yourself to me. Man, if he was any closer to you, he'd be bumping on you. Makes you just like Jesus. He warns us not to not to mess with, not to despise the little ones. Don't hold them back. By the way, this verse in verse 10 of 18, there's no explanation by Jesus, no interpretation by Jesus, just a warning by Jesus. Just a warning, straight up and down. That's like Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He doesn't explain it. He doesn't go into a bunch of detail. He just says, I did it, believe it. Why so hard? Verse 14, even so it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Now for people who are Calvinists, i got to say this. How do you deal with that verse? God doesn't choose some to go to hell and some to go to heaven. It's not God's will that any should perish. Is that what it says or not? But does God get his will? No. It would be God's will that all would be saved, but they're not all going to be saved. He said narrow was the way, and few be there that find it. That was just a statement of fact. But it wasn't a statement of his will. His will. It's not a determinative will, but it's a very desire of God's heart that you would be saved and go to heaven. But if you decide not to go, then you'll not go, and you'll go to a place called hell, a place called the lake of fire, and have to pay for your own sin forever and ever and ever. But it won't be God's fault, because he don't want you to go there. Second Peter 3.9, it's not the will of... Second Peter 3.9, look it up. With all this said this morning, 
You think a church ought to have a children's ministry? You think a church ought to have a children's ministry? You think a church ought to have child emphasis? Amen. But also a church ought to be full of adults that love Jesus, have been converted, and are childlike. You can't offend a child. Now, you can embarrass them and they'll cry, but they don't have a, if you, if you tell a child he's ugly, he'll just accept, okay, I'm ugly. You say, child, you got no hair. They're like good with it. If, if you tell a child, well, you, you, you walk funny, they go, okay. I remember one old uh, wheelbarrow, when we had him come up here a few years ago, wheelbarrow, he comes out here as a special walk. I got three minutes left, I'm going to use it. Wheelbarrow comes out here and goes. Hi, Vera. That's what he did. He had, hi, Vera. I love that. Oh, when I get in front of people, I get so embarrassed. Why? Your pride. If you don't have the pride, you got like a little kid. They don't care what you think of them. It doesn't make a difference in their life. Oh, would we have a church of people that are childlike, Christ-like. And everything is good about it. Well, maybe this will help you look back. You want to look back at this passage over and over again in 18. I've read it over and over again. Belittle in your own sight. One of my prayers as I get old. Is Bill, be little in your own sight. Be little in your own sight. We had old Ron Comfort here years ago. First time we ever had Ron Comfort here. We took him out with staff out to eat and fellowship with Ron. Had a good old time with Ron Comfort. He was a, he was a phenomenal evangelist. Been all over the United States. Man, he's preached the gospel as many people have gotten saved. Really, it's an honor just to be around Ron Comfort. It was an honor just to be able to go eat with Ron Comfort. And what Ron Comfort said to us, about we were three quarters through the meal, he said, boy, it's refreshing to be around a bunch of people that don't think they're big shots. I took that as the biggest compliment. Ron could have said, oh, you preach this way or you do that or that would have meant nothing. But when he said, I wasn't a big shot, I thought, glory to God, I may be getting this thing. Oh, there I go. May God help us to be as little children. But be converted. Don't miss conversion because of your pride. Don't miss trust in Christ because of your doubts. Come to Jesus. Let us talk to you about the Lord. Show you the gospel. Let the Holy Spirit whisper to you. Explain what it's about. And trust him as your Savior. Father in heaven, thank you today for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the simplicity of the Word of God. I pray that you do a work among us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you and God bless.